Our public scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 56, which is why I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21 gives us the context, the historical context within which this psalm was written. Verses 10 to 15 say this, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And so he ejects him from there. The idea seems to be that he acted like he was an insane man and playing upon the superstitions of the Philistines, lest this be contagious, let's get rid of the man. But let's recognize that what's behind this, even though David feigned that he was a, a, a madman, that it is God's providence ultimately that delivered him from his enemies. Well, turn with me then to Psalm 56, because it's in the context of this particular event that David wrote these things. Last week we were considering Psalm 55, which if you remember, David had an enemy, but this enemy was not someone who was in the world, it was someone inside the visible church. Someone who professed to be a brother in Christ, someone with whom he had had sweet fellowship and had worshipped God together, and yet this man had betrayed him and proved himself to be a false brother. Well, Psalm 56, he's once again dealing with his enemies, but this time it's not a false brother. It's the world who makes no pretense at claiming that they know the Lord. It was the Philistines, the sworn enemies of Israel. I say all that to make it clear that as you think about this psalm, Psalm 56 is a prayer that we can take upon our lips when we suffer persecution from the world, because that's what's going on here. So let me point out four specific things, four observations from this text. The first thing I see is this. David appeals to the mercies of God when he's oppressed by the world. Notice how it begins. Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. For there are many who fight against me, O Most High. He's saying there are men who have no mercy, no pity whatsoever. They want my destruction. They want to destroy my reputation with their words. They twist everything I say, as he's going to say in just a moment. But they have no pity for me, so therefore, Lord, I'm asking you to have mercy upon me when man does not. Do you remember when David gave his sinful census? And God came to him and said, I'm going to discipline you for this, and you have three options. Here's your multiple choice, A, B, or C, which is it going to be? Do you remember what David said? He said, you, O Lord, you choose. Only do not let me fall into the hands of man, because men are not merciful like you are. So even in your most severest of discipline, you are so much more merciful than men would ever be. That's what he's saying here. Spurgeon says of this psalm, quote, Man has no mercy on me, therefore double thy mercy to me. If thy justice has let loose the, my enemies, let thy mercy shorten their chain. In other words, limit how much they can harm me. 
So the first thing we see is him appealing to the mercies of God when men were not merciful to him. Secondly, David repeatedly expresses his confidence in God and in his holy word. Three different times in this text, he's going to say, I trust you, Lord. It's in verse 3, I will trust in you. Verse 4, in God I have put my trust. Down in 11, again, in God I have put my trust. And that trust is that he trusts in the promises in God's written word, because three times he mentions that. Again, look at verse 4, in God I will praise his word. 10, in God I will praise his word. In the Lord, that is in Yahweh, in Jehovah, I will praise his word. The point being this, you ever get anxious? You ever get distressed? You ever going through hard times? You ever being persecuted by the world, being rejected by the world? Then where should you go? Your first place, your first instinct should be to run to the promises of God. Because while your circumstances in this world are shifting sand and ever changing, God's word never changes. And it's a refuge for your soul, a place you can build your soul upon and know it will never fail you. It will never disappoint you. You can take God at his word, and that's what David did. The third thing is that David recognizes that as malicious and as powerful as his enemies were, they are not the sovereign of the universe. They are subject to the sovereign control of God. Man can plan all he wants to torment you and to do all kinds of horrible things to you. But he cannot do so if God himself does not permit it, because God is sovereign even over our enemies. And so you find him acknowledging this in several places. Verse 4, the latter part, I will not fear... What can flesh do to me? Verse 7, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. Verse 9, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. Does that sound familiar? Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then in one more place, you find it down in verse 13. For you have delivered my soul from death. You have have not... Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? In other words, what he's saying is, despite what my enemies planned, your plans are what took place, because you're sovereign over all things. Have you ever noticed, when you read the accounts of how Jesus was betrayed and arrested, have you ever noticed that his enemies think that they're the ones in control? But we have these hints, these clues over and over again that they're not the ones who are in control. For example, it begins when they say, we're not going to arrest him during the feast, during the feast of the Passover. The very next thing says that Jesus says, I'm going to be arrested during the Passover. And when was he arrested? During the Passover. When the mob comes to arrest him, they say, he says to them, whom do you seek? We seek Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. Do you remember what happens? They fall on the ground. They can't even stand on their feet. And the idiots get back up and arrest him. You're thinking, okay, I'm running. No more. When he stands, when when Peter cuts off poor Malchus's ear, Jesus rebukes him and says, put your sword away. Do you not think I could petition my father right now and he would send 12 legions of angels? He'll send one legion of angels for every one of the apostles. You think he can't deliver me? When Pontius Pilate stands before him, he gets angry because Jesus is not answering him. He says, do you not answer me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you? Do you know what Jesus said? You would have no such power, no such authority had it not been granted you. And suddenly the great powerful man begins to quake in his boots. Because what is Jesus telling him? You're not in control, sir. 
It is God who's in control of our enemies. And if God is in control of the enemies of Christ, he's also in control of the enemies of Christ's church. The fourth and final thing I would set before you is this. David was careful to return thanks when God answered his prayers. Look down in verse 12. Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. He's careful when God answers the prayer to return thanks to him. Do you find it so in your life? I find it in mine. That very often when I'm anxious about things, I run to God to tell him about my anxieties. But then when he answers those things, when he relieves those anxieties, I am very slow to go back and return thanks to him. It's like I want relief from the anxiety, but once the relief is brought, I immediately forget. Immediately I forget and move on to the next thing. Whereas our response should be automatically to reflex and say, let me return and give thanks to God for what he's done. Just as Jesus had the ten lepers before him, he healed all ten of them. Only one turned around and said, thank you, and gave him and worshipped him because he had healed them. He says, were there not ten? Where are the other nine? Is only this one come back to give glory to me? Well, bear these things in mind as I read this text to you. To the chief musician, set to the silent dove in distant lands, a victim of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath, be merciful to me, O God, For man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? All day they twist my words. All their thoughts against me for e- are against me for evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps when they lie in wait for my life. Shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? And the Lord add his richest blessing to both the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated.